0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Retro Monster Truck Review. My name is Josh Rhodes. Matt Stoltz will be joining us here shortly as we continue Gravedigger Month here on the show. Now the past couple of weeks here on the show we've talked St. Louis 1999 and Dennis Anderson clinching the first points championship for the Gravedigger machine. Winning a points championship though for Dennis Anderson, it meant a lot. I'm not going to take anything away from that. However, there is one day in the history of Gravedigger that we have to talk about And that is probably the most important day in the history of this 40-year tradition that we have known as the black and green wrecking machine. I, of course, am talking about January 8th, 1988. We're in St. Paul, Minnesota, and Dennis Anderson's gravedigger, the Grandma Gravedigger, is here to compete against Bigfoot, the Kong Brothers, and the whole nine yards. I'm not going to lie folks, this is probably my favorite show that we covered this month here on Gravedigger Month and I'm really looking forward to bringing it to you. But first, we got to take care of a little bit of, a little bit of business here. Thank you all for the subscriptions on Apple iTunes, the, the likes, the comments over on our YouTube page, all the subscriptions and of course the follows, and the downloads on the Spotify as well as any other major podcasting app. We thank you very much for that. I'm not going to hold you up anymore, though, folks. This is probably the most anticipated show for Gravedigger Month. I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. St. Paul, Minnesota, 1988, here on the Retro Monster Truck Review.
1: the thumbs up. It's
2: showtime! He gets into it. It's just bad. Wow, it's awesome. He's cool. He's tough. He's not Because we just like him. He's got a
3: swamp in it.
0: Anything for the crowd to scream. Houston! Great the diggers their house! Oh.
3: deep full throttle car crushing.
1: Grave Digger with a successful by run and a hairpin yes. here ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Anderson and Go.
3: the winner, Grave The fans out. are the ones that drive me. You know, when you hear them cheering for you and I just set this driving style way back when I first started and it's a reputation I've built and i got to live up to it.
0: Hello, one and all, and welcome back to another edition of the Retro Monster Truck Review. As we said before, this is Gravedigger Month that we're talking about right here. Gravedigger celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, Matt. And we can think of no better show to cover during this month than St. Paul, show number one in 1988. This is kind of the big break for Dennis Anderson and Gravedigger.
2: Hey, that's right. We're up here in Minnesota. <laughs>
0: at the St. Paul Civic Center, by the way. Opened in 1973, but then closed later on in 1998. This building was actually the home for the AWA, the American Wrestling Association, owned by Vern Gagne. Also, it was home for uh, the World Hockey Association, the Minnesota Fighting Saints.
2: Interesting team name, uh, I I suppose. And then uh, (laughs) not to be outdone by the current tenant of the building that now stands on its footprint, the Minnesota Wild. I don't know what A. Wild is but that's the name of the current NHL team that plays there.
0: Yeah, the Minnesota XL Wild Energy over there. Yep. Yeah, Minnesota Wild is uh, one of the teams I know a few buddies of mine in St. Louis at root for when the Blues aren't doing very well. But, hey, you got to have a, a second team, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, like I said, the <laughs> building, though, was demolished in 1998 to make room for the XL Center. It's the current home of the Minnesota Wild, like you said, which opened in 2000. They've been there now 21 years.
2: Which is interesting because – this area here in st paul whereas the minnesota north stars played in the met center which was a mm-hmm. different arena in that twin cities area so kind of getting some love all around that metropolitan area the minneapolis st paul they're very close to each other and kind of one demographic area so that's where they built the new arena and kind of like how you yeah, had the Pontiac Silverdome and then the new arena or the new stadium, Ford Field, is kind of more in downtown Detroit. So uh-huh. uh, a lot of back and forth in those areas with these sports teams. I guess whoever gives them a tax break, that's where they build, right?
0: Hey, it helps. Helps the area. Helps it grow. And they've got fresh stadiums every 20 or so years. We move on to monster truck racing, though, here. And uh, I got to tell you, Matt, this is a stacked lineup for St. Paul. And this is a, a very unique course as well. We'll start with our lineup here. Bigfoot number four arguably the winningest monster truck in history at this point, driven by Rich Hoosier. King Kong 3 with Steve Dane behind the wheel. Of course, we've got Dennis Anderson and the Gravedigger, the Grandma Gravedigger. Awesome Kong Number 2 with Jeff Dane piloting. Then Gentle Ben with Jim Bowman. Carolina Crusher with Gary Porter. Master of Disaster with Doug Spanier. Barely Tame with Rick Young. Barbarian and Jim Miller. Leadfoot and Ron Dennis. And then we've got Kid Rare rounding out the field here in Madman
2: heck of a field for a small arena like this and this is one of the larger small arenas if you will Mm -hmm. but still we've got a whole field of monster trucks here especially here at the beginning of 1988 when shows didn't really have this many trucks very often up to this point you may have six you may have eight we've got a full field here
0: yeah we've got an incredible field here and a very unique course as well this is kind of like a little bit reminiscent maybe of uh, louisville 87 Where you've got a hill, you start over the hill, you jump five cars, and you've got another small bump, and then you've got to finish over seven cars. You can compare this as well to maybe Columbus 88 a little bit later in the year as as well. I mean, it's a unique style course for these trucks here in the TNT monster truck circuit.
2: Could you imagine nowadays a straight line course in a hockey arena with four obstacles?
0: Absolutely not. (laughs)
2: I don't know how they fit all the stuff into this small arena, but they managed to do it, and it's a very, very tight track as we'll see throughout the night. The trucks are going to be thrown up into the air a lot, which kind of kills the forward momentum of the trucks and allows so many of these obstacles to be out there because the trucks never get that much speed in theory.
0: Yeah, it's a driver's course, to be perfectly honest with you. We got really big, heavy monster trucks at this point in 88. Like I said, very early in 88. The show date was January 8th of 1988. This is before the point series starts. This is essentially just a bunch of show trucks maybe at this point. That's not necessarily the start of the race truck evolution.
2: For the most part, you're right. I mean, we don't have any real purebred race trucks here, but one could argue that Bigfoot four is the most advanced truck in the field because it was just so robust and had gone through a little bit of evolution by this point, not a lot, but it's got the new 88 body, you know, they've been working on it since they debuted it, but it wasn't built as a race truck. It was just built to be tougher than the stage one trucks at the time when it was built. So mad dog at this point, really the only truck specifically built for racing They're not here, so as you said, we've got a lot of show trucks, car crushers going to be going up head-to-head against each other.
0: Yep, and the leader of that probably as far as the car crushing brigade is that heavy gravedigger truck in the background. Uh, We're going to start this show off, though, with Dave Graham welcoming us to a cold, snowy St. Paul where it is currently 10 below zero. Makes you wonder just how warm they could get it inside this place in 1988.
2: Some things never change, huh? Seems like they always book these coldest shows at the coldest time of the year so you know we can't do this minnesota show at the end of march we've got to do it the first week of january when it's 10 below outside and the, the following year in 89 we would get our uh, our hero dick Leek standing out in front of the sign with what was it two three below zero something like that uh at the saint paul civic center for the 89 version of power tracks so always cold we've covered the '97 event from Des, Mo- Des Moines, Iowa, here on the show. Mm-hmm. What was it? 50 below zero with the wind chill. So mm-hmm. who knows what the wind chill is here, but we know it's actually 10 below in terms of air temperature. And inside, eh, I'd say it's maybe a little bit warmer. Hopefully, at least comfortable for these folks. The crowd doesn't seem too bundled up.
0: Yeah, crowd doesn't seem too bundled up at all. There's also a pretty big crowd here inside the Civic Center for Monster Truck Racing. As we go into our qualifying highlights, even in 1988, though, I think your argument for Bigfoot being Bigfoot four being the winningest monster truck to be ever built at this point could be stated as we see this qualifying run right here. Bigfoot actually has fresh cars to go over, which could be a major disadvantage for Rich Hoosier. And we kind of see that in this time. It's going to go at 10.37 on this course. Uh, Dave explains that there are seven Bigfoots Uh, to the crowd here but rich is going to go over this hill and it's really tight course honestly he does a very smooth conservative run uh barely a length of a truck between the hill and the cars it's how tight this arena is all
1: right bigfoot the monster truck the number one monster truck in the world today there are seven bigfoots ladies and gentlemen bob chandler the owner of bigfoot is here tonight at the st paul civic center rich Hoosier is doing the driving here he comes Red shoes are going off backward. There he goes. He's coming down. Now he's done it little the mound of dirt. This is really tough. And you can see he got over pretty fast.
2: It's really impressive to see how much the truck bounces around here on this first hit. We get. The course kind of being navigated conservatively but smooth by Hooser here, kind of necessary for a first run on a fresh track. And he comes across the cars, drives over them, and the time, 10.37 seconds for Bigfoot.
0: Following Bigfoot, we've got King Kong, who's going to run in the left lane. Bigfoot actually ran in the right, so Kong's going to be over in the left. So they're kind of evenly doing this, so the cars get crushed down evenly. I like the way that they're doing qualifying here. And we see Steve Dane just absolutely attack the track a little bit harder with the fresh cars to get some good bounces, puts in a good run here, a 9.6 second qualifying time for King Kong.
1: Bigfoot in the lead at 10.37 seconds. King Kong has to beat that. Look at King Kong go-
2: He gets a little more aggressive on this side of the track. You see, he kind of throws the truck up into the air over the cars. And the difference in space between that second hill and the second set of cars, you can really see how tight it is here. Kind of almost throws the truck into the lawn tramp for the cars, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, he just kind of bounces straight into him, honestly. I mean, he's bouncing all over the place here, just trying to get a quicker time than Bigfoot. And that's kind of a theme throughout this show, by the way. You see these guys getting faster and faster. And a lot of these guys, not just uh, a certain black and green truck, but a lot of these guys are wanting to They'll say in their interviews, hey, we want to beat Bigfoot here tonight.
2: Well, Bigfoot is the king at this point. You know, there's the truck that they're using on the marquee. Bigfoot's coming to St. Paul as part of the Monster Truck Challenge, or the Monster Truck internationals they're calling it at this point. So, um, you know what, though? This truck, Gravedigger, out of Chesapeake, Virginia, already growing a fan base and, and very much organically in a grassroots type of deal because at this point, Dennis has not been on TV much. Up to this point, couple shows in the Astrodome. He, I don't even know if he got a TV run where he actually finished. But um, he, he's growing his fan base through these local shows. He's impressing people, and that's where this lore of Grave is really starting out. And Dave already announces to the crowd as Dennis pulls out for qualifying that he's one of the most famous trucks in America today, despite the lack of TV time.
0: Yeah, get your cameras out, everybody. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime thrill, according to Dave Grimm. Dennis is going to mash the gas this whole run, and he's never going to let off. And, Matt, this is probably one of the earliest and most highlighted video pieces of the Grandma Gravedigger truck that people have pretty much seen millions of times by this point. It's a wheelie run. It's probably the original wheelie run in Monster Truck history, to be perfectly honest with you. Dennis bounces the front end over the first set of cars, and he rides a wheelie across that whole set, Bounces into the roller hill, pops another wheel stand, and pops another little bitty mini wheel stand off on the last set of cars as well. Like I said, this highlight is—it's probably the one we're going to use to uh, talk about this show whenever we post on our social media page because it's just that much cooler.
1: Most famous trucks in America today, the Gravedigger. Now this is crazy. The Grave Digger is a Ford panel band. I've seen him race many times. And i tell you, he can go nuts. Let's watch him. The gravedigger from Chesapeake, Virginia, Dennis Anderson. Get your cameras out, everybody. This is a once-in-a-lifetime thrill. He goes nuts. Here he goes. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Oh, I Oh, I do oh, no. Oh, Dennis Anderson has turned to loose.
2: The first time I saw this run, was when the Gravedigger 20 video came out for 2002. And they showed this run in that video. And I could tell that it was from the same event where he won because we had seen that footage in Domination uh, prior. You know, I was just a kid, 12 years old at the time, watching Gravedigger 20, saying, oh, man, that's that same show where he won. Holy mackerel, what a run it was. And we hear the famous quote from Dave Graham.
0: Dennis Anderson has turned it loose, exclaims Dave Grimm. Amazing run given the confines of this small arena, and Dennis gives that triumphant salute that he's always known for when he pop out of the grandma truck to the crowd here. Dennis is your new leader here in qualifying. He's going to eventually be your uh, fastest qualifier with a 9.53 second time. Dennis says he's got a brand new motor in this truck. He's not sure exactly how he's going to drive it yet, as long as there's no breakage. He's got a really good chance of winning tonight against the likes of Bigfoot.
2: Can't disagree there. Top qualifier gets you the honors. And I think by this point, they may have instituted the top qualifier, you know, bonus in terms of trying to get those guys to go out there and run hard because it seemed like everybody was trying to take that number one spot for qualifying. The top guys definitely weren't laying back.
0: Yeah. And even the Bigfoot run, it looked conservative, but Hoosier was still getting after it pretty hard. Uh, A nine second time, a mid nine second time here seems to be about where you're going to be really fast on this track at least in qualifying uh, point out here though, before we move on, Dennison in and his interview right here, this is really the first time you get to hear his voice on television. Uh, one of the first times anyway, but you, you can hear how calm and collective he is. And I actually got a little bit of a chuckle out there whenever Dave Graham said, Hey, we thought you were going to roll over on the run. And then Dennis, Dennis says, yeah, I got tight there for a few minutes.
2: Yeah. Dennis, uh, he quickly polished himself in front of the camera. We see a little bit of that, Southern twang, that Carolina boy, come out in his interviews during this show, very much similar to how his brother Les would sound when he would do his interviews on TV as well. And Dennis quickly learned to talk more for the cameras and mm-hmm. be a little bit – I don't want to use the word eloquent because it it, it sounds derogatory, but he, he uses a lot more opportunity to explain things to the fans As he says them rather than just kind of answering a simple yes or no question as Dave's setting them up for here
0: round number one is going to start right here. But before that, we get a little bit of an ad right here for TNT World of Power. Uh, I loved all the highlights that are shown here, but I, I specifically wanted to highlight my favorite one. It still gets me to laugh even to this day, and it's the dude that's riding in the mud in the quad, just going over the handlebars, helmet first, straight into a giant pile of soupy mud. I don't know why I love that. I love this ad just for the simple inclusion of that clip.
2: Just the full face scoop with his helmet of mud right into his eyeballs. It's.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm still looking for a hard copy of that tape. Anybody out there that has one, uh, I'd like to have it for my collection.
0: Yeah, I would, too. It's one tape I actually haven't seen from the TNT days of monster truck racing. Uh, As we said earlier, though, fastest qualifier, Grave Digger, he's going to get a buy in round number one, which means we won't see him until round two. So our first matchup that we're going to see right here is Barely Tame taking on King Kong. And of course, Dave Grimm's going to refer to King Kong as a madman, though at the beginning of this race, he actually hypes up Jeff Dane's driving style, even though Steve is the driver behind the wheel of this truck.
2: I guess you get them kind of confused here and there a little bit, but uh, we've got Barely Tame and King Kong here. going to be an interesting matchup. Two Fords, but at least one of them we know has Chevy power.
0: Yep. Barely Tame, your hometown hero right here, basically, uh, as well as Master Disaster. A little bit later on, we'll see that truck. But uh, I got to tell you, this is uh, not a very good race for Barely Tame. It's going to be a decent start for the trucks. They're pretty well even when they come over the first set of cars. But Steve clears those last cars, bounces over that small. I mean, he's just wild on this course is the best way to describe Steve's pass. He's wild all the way through the run. Barely Tame gets stuck on the cars in the end. And then as he starts to drive off, it's never a good sign when your front tires are pointing inward at each other. And that's what happens right here with Barely Tame. Unfortunate breakage for the Barely Tame Ford.
2: That's right. And it looks like here during this run that that little spike roller jump before the second set of cars has been removed. I don't know if some of the other qualifying runs had more issues you know, negotiating this track, but it certainly looks like they went in with a loader and kind of skimmed that ramp out of there because even on the barely tame side, you can see the truck kind of just rides flat through that no man's land between the cars.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's a good thing you pointed that out as well. Times are going to pick up as well. Earlier I said a, uh, what, a nine-second run. was 9.53, I think, was Dennis's time was going to be fast. I forgot that they lowered that hill down, so it's a good thing you pointed that out. So these times are going to get faster for these trucks if, in fact, they did do that.
2: Yeah, and what's a bummer here is that we start to see the lanes developing some character. If you will, because Mm -hmm. the left lane starting to look pretty fast and the right lane we see has developed a big hole already because barely tame hits that hole at the end of the cars and the truck just stops dead and really gives him a lot of trouble. And he has to slowly kind of negotiate his way off the end of that stack of cars, even though the cars aren't fully crushed down yet at this point, somebody must have pushed a trunk lid in or something nasty.
0: Yeah, something had to have happened in qualifying to cause that hole to develop right there. Dave says we're going to need a loader or a forklift to get him off the track. Even though he's driving off the cars nice and slow, he's still going to have trouble getting back to the pits there. Tough break for the barely-tamed Ford. However, King Kong looking really good over there in that lane. Gentle Ben is going to be up next, taking on Master of Disaster here. Doug Spanion is listed as the driver here. Name spelled wrong, but it's said correctly by our mysterious narrator. Yeah,
2: so I'm, I'm not sure if it's one of our wonderful Bill Leinberger production um, typos if you will or or what the deal is i think even maybe dave grimm says it as doug spanion so i'm thinking that maybe that r on the driver info sheet maybe curled around a little too far and (laughs) he read it as spanion and uh and and dave grimm Probably announced it the same way, So, but they kind of got it figured out by the time that they went to do the post-production with the voiceover. So we see it a lot here with these Lineberger-produced shows that were on the early Power Tracks episodes. A lot of interesting spellings of names, uh, which was common back in the 80s, not just here but on ESPN shows, and we may get some more of those by the end of the show.
0: Yeah, we probably will. It's just early or late '88 production quality that we have right here. Uh, Keep that in mind too when we grade this episode later. But uh, Doug Spanier is going to get the win right here. Master Disaster has a great hole shot, a pretty smooth run, takes the win by about two truck lengths over Gentle Ben. Honestly, Gentle Ben at this point still show truck. It's not really. I don't think Gentle Ben ever gets made into a really competitive race truck.
2: No, not really. It's riding on the 73s. It's a really good car crusher, puts on a good show, but not quite so fit out for racing, where in the other lane, Doug Spanier is trying to kind of be on the forefront of that racing technology. We already see that this truck, even with the old square-body Chevy on it, has a drop v truss with four-link suspension, so He's got the good ideas, and it's just going to be a matter of time before the truck becomes powerful enough to really compete with some of these other race trucks. It's
0: very true. Wheelbase on my Master Disaster looks short for the body, but I think that's by design with the way he's got the suspension set up. The truck looks real short. The body's a little bit longer. But, hey, it's getting the job done right here against General Ben at least, and we'll see Doug Spanier in the next round. Next race, though, these two trucks actually are fairly close to each other on the map. Bigfoot from the St. Louis area, Barbarian from Nokomis, Illinois, just down the road from me. No monster truck race is complete with it unless you have the world champion, and that's what TNT has brought here. A very interesting statement made by Dave Grimm. However, arguably, Matt, you could claim this for Bigfoot. This is probably the truck with the biggest win column out there. There's really not many L's in the category for Bigfoot at this point in 88.
2: Not at this point. Really, you're talking about very few heads-up victories for anybody in the competition. Excalibur's got a couple wins and, and maybe some of the other people in on, on televised shows, but when it comes to television, for the most part, at least if the truck finishes, Bigfoot's probably your winner.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could say uh... – Crimson Crusher got a victory over Bigfoot in like late 87. I want to say it was an Ohio race. We covered it on this show. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but we had that unbelievable call as the front end collapsed out from underneath Crimson Crusher. But other than that, I don't remember seeing Bigfoot lose on many of these early TNT broadcasts.
2: Yeah, it was the top truck for sure. And as Dave said, the world champion. Uh, There's no legitimate world champion at this point, but, you know, it's mostly just marketing. But Bigfoot's certainly the most successful truck in terms of the very young world of monster truck racing.
0: Take note of the way uh, the Hoosier lining up here. He's got a neck brace on, a helmet with no goggles. His right arm is, or his left arm, excuse me, is completely exposed. He's wearing a Bigfoot crew shirt to drive in. And he's got his head and left arm hanging out the window.
2: It's also real early for the MTRA, (laughs) you know, they're kind of figuring out what they want to do for safety requirements, and I'm not sure if the RII had even been developed yet by this point. Um, I'm not totally sure on that. I mean, I know that the MTRA is kind of in its early formation here, so they're kind of getting the rules set in terms of Driver safety, truck safety, a lot of the other things. And TNT was one of the member affiliate associations that was at the very beginning there of the formation of the MTRA. So by now, in 2021, when we're recording this, we're looking at this saying, boy, that's not very safe. But at the time, you know, a helmet, neck brace, maybe gloves, that maybe was be all you needed. Could be all you asked for. You know, fire wasn't as big of a concern yet. And it certainly would become more of a concern in the coming years. But once these guys are, are required to have a fire suit and eye protection and so forth, it certainly became a lot
0: better. Hoosier going to attack the track a lot harder than he did in qualifying here. He loses a little bit of momentum on the landing off the first set of cars. It kind of allows Barbarian to make it even mid-track here. Hoosier's going to keep his big foot, no pun intended, in it over the second set, though. He's going to take a truck-winked win over Barbarian, who ends up hitting that very same hole that hit Barely Tame earlier.
2: Man, that hole's reaching up and grabbing these guys so far. It looks like it's at the beginning of that last car, so at least the guys are getting across the finish line before they get hung up. But just no good for Jim Miller in this one. He kind of gets stuck there, like you said. doesn't really matter, though. Bigfoot's already to the other end first.
0: Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Anyway, Carolina Crusher and Leadfoot right here. Now we go on to Leadfoot, Grim explains, as we get a close-up right of Carolina Crusher as he says that, which made me kind of chuckle a little bit. A little bit misplaced camera angle right there.
2: And we see Jerry Porter.
0: Yeah, I don't know who that guy is, but I hear he's an upstart coming from the North Carolina area. Jerry Porter. No relation to Gary from what I know. No, I'm kidding, of course. This is Gary Porter. They've misspelled his name right here. I have no idea how you get Gary Jerry out of Gary this
2: this this gave him the wrong name and they misspelled that name yeah Jerry's got two R's this is (laughs) J-E-R-Y Porter I don't know how they managed to pull that one off but Carolina Crusher number one kind of in its 88 stature here the chassis red the body's yellow it's looking good it's got the heavier Goodyear's on it still at this time but the truck is pretty much in the same shape it will run for the entire season
0: Yeah, pretty much here. Dave's going to remind the crowd here that Leadfoot had all kinds of problems in qualifying, though we didn't get to see that run. However, a little bit later in this pass, we're going to get to see the right side of Leadfoot, and it does look like there's some damage on the El Camino body up towards the fender area. But during this run, we don't see it until the end of the run, really. Crusher's going to gain some momentum over the cars. He's going to draw even. Upon the base of the second ramp, and then we switch the camera to foot side, and we see the whole left front tire is falling completely off the truck as he crosses the finish line. Didn't matter though, because Carolina Crusher wins anyway, heads up.
2: Talk about building a reputation for yourself, poor Ron Dennis. Every time he's on TV at this point, he's losing a wheel on the Leadfoot Chevrolet.
0: Oh yeah, and that El Camino body—it's a very unique-looking truck. This is still the blue El Camino that's in this race, and I got to tell you, it looks great. But now the left side's got just as much damage as the right side did on the body. I think this might be the
2: last show for that blue El Camino. Not long (laughs) after, he switches over to the white truck with a fresh body uh, with the El Camino. So maybe the damage was just too much to overcome this time to repair. Either way, it's unfortunate for Ron Dennis, but Gary slash Jerry slash Terry slash Larry Porter uh, (laughs) is your winner.
0: Yep, Gary's going to move on to the next round right here. We get a quick glimpse, by the way, of them pulling Leadfoot off the cars. And you can see the damage to that front clip is pretty extensive. And you can see the right side. You see it a lot better here on that quick clip of them pulling it off the cars than you do in the, the shorter clip that I had mentioned earlier that we get right before the left front tire falls off the truck. Our next race here is Awesome Kong and Madman. Interesting how Madman was the term used to describe this guy's driving style just a little bit earlier.
2: I love that the Madman Dodge is getting some TV time, especially mm-hmm. with it looks like the same tires that would be on the Pennsylvania Mountain Monster, those Firestones. The truck just looks awesome. Uh, what else can you say about It, it just looks good.
0: Yeah, it looks great. But in the other lane, we've got almost a bare bones looking awesome Kong machine. This truck is in the process of being stripped down to be more competitive as a race truck. You can see where the Danes are kind of cutting corners a little bit just by looking at the truck. It's a lot lower than some of the trucks out there. They're trying to cut weight off of this truck, basically, is what it looks like.
2: Yeah, and let's not forget that just a few months prior, the last time we saw the truck, I think, was, what, maybe in Charlotte? it still had the Allison aircraft engine in it, so mm-hmm. the truck's in a constant state of evolution at this point and would eventually go on to you know, get raised up a little bit and kind of get cut up here and there as well, but at this point, it's kind of in between stages, if you will. It's got the lower body still, but it's got a, a supercharged engine, and unfortunately— That supercharged engine doesn't look like it's running too well, does it?
0: No, it doesn't. Awesome Kong's very slow off the line right here. Struggles to get over the hill. Uh, And Madman looks pretty good over the line. But Kong does have the top end speed here, though, to come back and steal the victory by about a single car width over Madman. Madman's going to get hung up at the end just a little bit right there. But I got to tell you, good race between these guys. But I think it's only a good race because of the stumble that Awesome Kong had because the truck comes back on that top end so much faster than Madman.
2: It does, but then as you see over the last set of cars, Madman really makes up that difference and almost grabs the lead back by the finish line. He beats Awesome Kong to the end of the cars, but at that point the race is already over and we see Awesome Kong heading back into the pits, kind of being inspected a little bit by one Robert P. Chandler.
0: Yeah, I wonder who that guy is, kind of down there on the floor. Bob Chandler, of course, is noted earlier in this broadcast as being here with Rich Hoosier behind the wheel of Bigfoot Number Four. If, generally, if Bob was at a at an event, specifically a Bigfoot Four event that a Bigfoot was booked at, Bob was looking at every truck out there. He had a keen eye for all that stuff, just like another guy, another guy from Minnesota by the name of Eric Jasmer.
2: He's certainly taking note of what's working and what's not with everybody out there. And I'd be willing to bet at some point that Chandler walked over and took a look at a, a certain panel truck down on the floor by the end of the night as well.
0: Yeah, I imagine that truck caught his attention here, but that truck's not up right now, though. It's the start of round number two, and we've got the King Kong truck back on the track against Master of Disaster. And boy, on paper, this is a good matchup as far as I'm concerned. You've got another hometown truck taking on a truck from Texas. By the way, long haul from Texas to Minnesota, just like it's a long haul from North Carolina to Minnesota for some of these guys. And that's basically what we have right here. We've got a St. Louis truck here in our quarterfinal round. We've got two Texas trucks. We've got a Minnesota truck. And we've got uh, the North Carolina trucks as well
2: trucks from all over the country here for the monster truck Internationals, nationals and like you said it's a long way to go and you don't drive all that way to come out and lose so you could bet the king kong's gonna have the hammer down
0: that's right these trucks leave as king kong gets the lead over the hill while master disaster kind of struggles just a little bit both trucks are going to send it pretty hard over the last set of cars kong actually clears The first set of cars with the front end, by the way, I forgot to point that out. Kong clears the front set. The truck launches to the left on those cars, somehow bounces and maintains a straight path to the last set of cars. It's a wild, wild looking pass here for King Kong. Uh, Kong's going to go on to steal this win here. Kudos to Steve, by the way, for maintaining that truck and keeping it straight as he could to hit that last set of cars because it was iffy if he was going to do so
2: he kind of bounced into the quad jump a little bit there as you see he comes off the first set of cars and that kind of deflects him back into his lane a little bit to get set up for that second set and he holds on i'm not sure how much driver input was involved but it sure looked good
0: it looked really good for the the Kong truck he's going to mention here a little bit later that he's having some steering issues with this truck like it's almost reacting too quickly So he's having to put less input into the wheel, and it's something he's not used to. And we kind of see that maybe on this pass a little bit because, like we said, he turns really hard left. He has to gather it back up, turn really hard right to try and make the hill for the last set of cars, which he does so. But, man, it's a wild pass. He gets the truck up on two wheels for just a moment over that last set of cars. A wild pass for King Kong. It
2: is wild, and we'll see how fast he can keep going throughout the rest of the night. But in the meantime, we've got Bigfoot and Carolina Crusher, two strong competitive and reliable trucks going up against each other here in this matchup.
0: Yeah, Interesting how we go from a truck that's known for being wild and another truck that's got the name master of disaster on the side of it. We're going to go from that race into a race of two guys that are just smooth as silk and consistent all the time. Gary Porter is going up against the legend, according to our announcer here, Dave Grimm, 1988 and Bigfoot already a certified legendary status at this point. And I don't think he's wrong in making that statement.
2: Yeah, and Dave says this seems like a one-sided matchup, but crazier things have happened, and Mm -hmm. we see the trucks leave, and you can tell that Porter's pushing harder than he did the previous round, at least on that start, but Bigfoot's just got so much more torque and has a little bit of a lead here in the first half of the
0: race. Yeah, I think Bigfoot gets the whole shot right here and basically maintains it and kind of just slowly starts to pull a little bit bigger lead on Crusher throughout the rest of this race. Uh, Bigfoot's going to launch skyward, whereas Crusher stays a bit lower across the cars. But Hoosier's still going to get the win, though, here. But not by much. Crusher was not far behind him in this race as Bigfoot's going to advance and be your second semifinalist.
2: Yeah, the air really comes from Hoosier bouncing into that second car ramp. And that puts the front end way up into the air, kind of you could maybe call it a wheelie, but the the rear end does get up off the cars as well a little bit. So kind of a big sky shot for Bigfoot at this point in the competition. You don't want to be doing that. Instead, you want to be driving forward and flying through the air forward level if you can. And he just didn't quite get the bounce right. Thankfully, he was enough ahead and had enough horsepower to hold on for the win.
0: Yeah, you certainly did. Bigfoot advances without some, or excuse me, Bigfoot advances, but not with some stiff competition from the Carolina Crusher. I wasn't sure when he said that if he meant the race itself or the suspensions for both of these trucks. <laughs>
2: yeah, they're both bouncing around a lot out there.
0: Oh, yeah. Two of the smoothest, by the way, these are two of the smoothest and most consistent trucks on the entire night, by the way. And they're still bouncing all over the place along this course that we've got right here. Also, next up, though. We're back to the wild man, I guess you could say, is Awesome Kong's going to take on your number one qualifier, Gravedigger. And honestly, right before we start this race, I want to say there's probably some talk back in the pits about Anderson being your number one qualifier here. And I'm going to guarantee you it starts off with something like, yeah, he's number one qualifier, but wait until he gets out there on the track for racing. So Anderson's probably got to prove himself here just a little bit. Yes, your number one qualifier, but there's still a butt in the back of their head right there
2: yeah this is during the one run anderson years so you never know if the digger's going to hold together for the whole night or not and dave says this is the match made in monster truck heaven it's going to be heads but up.
0: judging by the paint scheme on Gravedigger, i would say it's more of the monster truck matchup made in hell
2: well could be he says it's <laughs> going to be heads up diggers wild and crazy but awesome kong is as well
0: yeah these are two of the trucks that are known for being a little wild out there uh awesome kong though keep in mind truck was stumbling off the start in its last round and that's exactly what happens here unfortunately for him right before though that we get a famous quote from gravedigger nomination like you were talking about that videotape earlier push the pedal to the metal power against power and turn them loose dave Grimm explains as they leave the line and dennis just gets a flat out awesome launch over the first hill before kong can even get on top of it
1: Grave digger's wild and crazy, but Awesome Kong is as well. They'll both drivers will put their foot into the accelerator and go like the devil. It's anybody's game. Here we go. Awesome Kong has decided he wants the right leg. How many of you like Awesome Kong? How many of you like the grave diggers? the fans in the Civic Center Arena. He's the free mustard truck race favorite. Let's see what happens. Awesome Kong doesn't want to lose. He didn't come all the way from Texas to lose this race. Great Digger from Virginia, anybody's ball game. Push the pedal to the metal, turn it loose. Power against power.
2: just an absolute shot again from Dennis Anderson. He's he talked earlier about that new engine. It's really doing him a good job here tonight in St. Paul.
0: That it is. Dennis is going to use the bounces to his advantage. He's going to utilize the bounce is what I used to say back when I was playing MTM two all those years ago, Uh, utilizes the bounce and gets himself right over the tops of almost all of these jumps very quickly. And Dennis, honestly, if you would look at the time, Dave Grimm says they clocked him at seven Oh two. That's probably the fastest of the night.
2: Uh, I clocked them at 7.02. Um, Oh, you clocked. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. It's definitely got to be the fastest run of the night so far. We're cutting multiple seconds off of our qualifying times at this point, and just a perfect run, as good as you could get. You'd equate it to what would be a motorcycle or motocross seat bounce, where you kind of bounce yourself up onto the obstacle to keep the – the bike lower dennis does that here with Gravedigger. i'm not sure whether it's by design or just the way that the truck happened to land but man just absolutely perfect run where he kind of bounces right to the height of the ramp catches that and drives across the cars and that's a big difference when you're trying to move forward he's got the tires on the ground going faster and faster instead of flying up into the air
0: exactly and he didn't mash the gas here until he needed to by the way he jumps onto those last sets of cars showing that grandma could fly as well and it's of course right here at that point we hear the old famous grave digger grave digger grave digger call from dave grimm love that call by the way dave grimm was on it right there awesome kong's actually going to turn off the final set of cars and turn back to the pits after he lost this race and dave grimm over the microphone says awesome kong just gives up
2: yeah, I mean, gave up. You already lost. So Yeah, he, he, he already does lost cross at the, that point. So. He does cross the finish line, but can't quite uh, get the job done here. Dennis Anderson and Gravedigger takes the win. He's going in the semifinals, and we see Dave then is going to do an interview here with Dennis Anderson once again.
0: Yeah, and Dennis is going to say he thinks that the Kong truck may have fueling problems. Uh, he explains why he has an engine in the rear, which prompted a uh, prompted, uh, question prompted by Dave. Dave uh, Dennis also then says he thinks that he's going to move the motor a little farther forward now. He did it in the back originally to uh, keep the truck from nosediving. Now it's kind of popping wheelies on him, so maybe he's wanting to move the motor a little farther forward. So it's interesting here that they're already talking about moving the motor forward in these trucks in 88. Uh, In the from the rear motor standpoint, it's not gonna be until years later that we finally find that sweet spot of where to put the motor, which is basically as low and as centered as you possibly can in the truck. But here, Dennis's rear engine truck, he's already thinking ahead 20 years at this point by moving the motor forward.
2: Yeah, and even before we get to that point in the interview, Dennis comes out with the helmet on, and he mm-hmm. starts talking. He tells Dave that he really needs the to win tonight. He's got some big, heavy-duty bills that need paid, and then Dave kind of interrupts him and says, get the helmet off. We want to hear every word uh, of what you have to say here, and then they kind of get on to the other subject about the engine placement. I wonder what bills needed paid. Maybe Dennis had to cover some parts, or maybe that big engine was on uh, on financing. Who knows?
0: Yeah, you never you never know. Dennis, uh, at this point in his career, you can tell he, even, even in his interviews early in his career here in 88, you can tell he's, he's tired. He's worn out a little bit. He's working his tail off at this point to keep oh, yeah. this truck just together. So when he says, hey, I've got some big heavy-duty bills that need paid, you can bet it's the truth.
2: Oh, it's definitely the truth. And Dennis needs the prize money to get that truck to the next show, the next week, and you know, even maybe to, to make the, the show the next night, you know, he's got to get this thing to a point where he can get it consistent, but still be fast enough to compete and win the money and go on to the next race. So he's pushing it hard. He's out there trying to, you know, make his living race and monster trucks. That's do, what he's doing. And so far tonight, he's doing a heck of a job of it.
0: Yeah. Hey, you won your first round or you qualified number one, You've won your next matchup over one of the top trucks that people would consider in the country. By the, This is Awesome Kong. This is the truck that had an Allison aircraft engine, motor, or engine in it. It's the truck that was in the finals of the Battle of the Monster Trucks all those years ago on a big television broadcast. And now here you're on TV beating that truck. It may look a little different. You're still beating that truck, though. So Dennis is beating one of what people would consider one of the top trucks in the country, moving to the semifinals to take on the top truck in the country. But before that, though, we've got Carolina Crusher versus King Kong. It's Final Four you probably expected, to be honest with you. Carolina Crusher, King Kong, Bigfoot, and Gravedigger.
2: Well, in terms of what we saw in qualifying, I would say that's for sure. We've got the three trucks we saw on the highlight reel, and then I'm sure Carolina Crusher was not far behind. So we've got the King Kong 3, Carolina Crusher, first matchup of the semifinals. And Kong gets a great launch, kind of similar to Digger in that previous race. And we got a lot of camera cuts during this run. We kind of get the trucks together over that first hill and then an opposing shot down low. And I love this camera shot.
0: Yeah, I love the low camera shots that we had back in the late 80s, early 90s from these trucks. It made them look spectacular. And this is no exception right here with this shot that we get of uh, the Kong truck here. Kong's going to get. A lot of air over that first set of cars. He's bouncing onto the last car and continuing to bounce through no man's land and into the last set. The tail slaps hard left, then hard right. Steve has to work this truck throughout this entire pass right here. As this happens, though, Porter's gaining steam. He's coming on strong, but Kongson across the finish line about two widths ahead of Gary Porter right here. Another wild run from a Kong truck. What would you expect, though?
2: Boy, a wild run for sure, and the I can't imagine what Steve's going through up in the cab. He may have knocked his head once or twice against the roll bars because the truck was just totally out of control, and somehow, through all of that, he managed to keep the truck going straight and get up onto the cars. I don't know if the two-and-two two rule existed here yet, but it's still a legal run. He, he kind of rode the two side tires up onto that last ramp, but the, the tires were over the cars, so perfectly legal run and it's amazing that he was able to hang on especially with gary porter and carolina crusher with a head of steam there at the finish kong won this in the first third of the race
0: yeah he certainly did because the last third of it was when gary porter was coming on strong steve's going to be interviewed right here and he says hey we took three weeks off in december we rebuilt the truck steering's not quite right yet like i said it's turning a little too responsive for him but main thing he wants to do tonight is he wants to beat bigfoot and make his parents proud
2: yeah, it seems like all the big people were here for this race in St. Paul. We got Bob Chandler, we've got Steve Dane's parents, you know, everybody that everybody that matters to all the competitors, you know, are all here to watch this event and you can tell that the guys are pushing as hard as they can.
0: Speaking of pushing it as hard as you can, Matt, this is probably the race that has been the most highlighted since it happened in uh the great the the, the the history of the gravedigger truck as well as the history of bigfoot because bigfoot gets notoriety from this as well because at this point it is as we've said throughout this show this is the truck that has won probably 92 93 percent of the races that it's competed in and probably 100 percent of the matches that you've seen on television to this point bigfoot is one
2: yeah you've got bigfoot the current self-proclaimed king of the monster trucks and we've got gravedigger an upstart but wild performer from the eastern seaboard out there in Virginia that's been gaining fans at every event. And Dave kind of builds up the, the similarities, but the differences between these trucks with Gravedigger being a 1951 Ford, Bigfoot's a 1988 Ford. Gravedigger's got that big engine. Anything goes.
0: Yeah, anything goes right here. There's a small shot right here that, uh, is to me as a, a fan of the sport, as much as I am anyway, kind of gives you a little bit of a goose, a little bit goosebumps, honestly, and it's Bigfoot's just sitting at the line and then right behind him, you see Dennis going to line up, driving right behind Bigfoot. The start before this race starts, Digger is obviously in the shadow of this blue Ford and this little clip of him just lining up behind him and pulling to the line is a perfect eclipse of that and shows the fact that, hey, Dennis is kind of in this truck's shadow at this point. Am I reading too much into this? Probably, but to me, that's perfectly a perfect example of this this, this rivalry at this point. The Diggers kind of in the shadow, just like many other trucks.
2: It is a good example, and uh, one thing that may be worth mentioning here: um, the previous round, the red headlights are on the Grave Digger. I don't see the red headlights turned on for this run.
0: Hey, maybe not hundred percent. If Army Armstrong was here, that's what he'd be saying over the microphone. But I got to tell you, though, Hoosier's going to get the jump here on the Gravedigger onto the cars. It, the Digger's going to build a lead off the cars. Dennis bouncing smoother. Bigfoot pushing it a little bit harder. Hoosier puts the accelerator absolutely through the floorboard here for the final jump, Matt. And I got to tell you, it's one of the hardest hits you're going to see from an early Bigfoot truck at the finish line here. He's going to land hard On that hole that we had been talking about earlier And the truck's going to bounce extremely hard Towards the left side And man, Hoosier, he's already hanging out the left side window I can't imagine how much of an impact That is on him leaning out the window At this point Digger, obviously on the cars And drives straight to the finish line here Anybody's guess as to who really won the race?
1: All right, here we go Grave Digger against Bigfoot Rich Hoosier Against Dennis Anderson Dennis Anderson with a 1951 Ford, Bigfoot with a 1988 Ford, new against old. But I'll tell you, Grave Digger's got a supercharged engine in the back of that 1951 Ford panel van. Anything goes. Here comes Bigfoot,
2: Yeah, I think Hoosier may have been able to reach up and give that left front tire a kiss at one point. Oh, yeah. The truck is all out of shape. We see how high Bigfoot is in the air. he cleared all seven cars with the front end pretty much. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing with basically no run up. I mean, he had a moving start, but he didn't get in that throttle till right at the last minute. And the truck just took off and made up all that distance on Gravedigger.
0: Yeah, he made up a lot of time on Dennis right here. And I love the buildup that we have right here. Dave is reading out the time. This one is too close to call. We'll have to wait for Dave to get the official time from the judges.
1: Are we having fun yet? (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Listen to this. Bigfoot, Bigfoot had a time of 7.93 seconds. Gravedigger Digger had a time of 7.82 seconds. Grave wins it. And Dennis Anderson, congratulations. Is this, I've got to ask you, is this the first time you've ever beaten Bigfoot? Yes, yeah, sir, it sure is. And I've been waiting for this time. He's a good guy and everything, but we're here <laughs> to win. And I was here to beat him. Well, how many years have you been racing with this monster truck? Uh, I've, I've had this particular truck for three years now. And I tell you, you just really put your foot in the accelerator and and go like the devil. Is there any other secret to your success? No, well, I just, uh, I've got to keep it safe, but be fast and bad. You sort of have to be a little wild and crazy to do something like this. Oh, yeah, you don't, know, you, the elevator won't go
2: away to the top. You can believe that.
0: Gravedigger wins it, and you hear this crowd go nuts.
2: They go nuts for sure. And this is the first time that Dennis has beaten Bigfoot. It's on national television, Dennis comes back and says, "You know, I was here to beat him. Um, your elevator can't go all the way to the top in this sport." Yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's a very it's an interesting interview because they're covering so many different things so quickly. And as they're showing the replay here before they even get to the interview, we see the trucks kind of heading back to the pit area. Even if Bigfoot had won that race, I don't know if he goes to the finals because the truck looks really wounded. The left yeah, side's really laying down.
0: Yeah, it's leaning really bad on that left side for Hoosier right there. And I imagine the driver's probably feeling it as well from that landing. That landing, that's one of the hardest Bigfoot impacts I've seen. And Hoosier's known for taking some big Bigfoot impacts. There's that famous in-cab shot where he jumps the truck and lands, and his neck goes farther than the steering wheel on the landing. This is Rich Hoosier. Look at, look at this background flying through the air. Watch, Watch his, his neck. Watch his neck when he lands here.
1: This in cab, once we started doing that, Bob, it really taught us a lot about what we should be doing for that driver inside that truck. Right. Before it happened so fast, we had no
0: idea. And we saw this and I talked to Rich, I said, you know, your head was almost below the steering wheel. And he says, no, there's no way until he watched this tape. And he says, maybe that's why I'm sore the next couple days. This one, I can't imagine what it felt like when he's hanging out the left side of the vehicle and that's the direction that it bounced. That's a hard impact for the Bigfoot truck. But to move on here and continue this conversation, Arguably, Matt, I would consider this win over Bigfoot bigger than if Dennis goes on to win the final round.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is what you show up to do. You show up to try to beat Bigfoot. And Dennis does it here. And with another what you could almost call a picture perfect run he got that bounce up on that first set of cars drove across them was able to put the power down between the cars and get the big launch to the finish line where he could kind of land right on the finish line and i can't remember where i saw it if it was another camera angle or if it was a still photo but it was a more side shot of this race and we Mm -hmm. see that Dennis had about a car width lead at the finish, which looks a lot tighter on the TV view that we see. But from the other side, it might have been a Bigfoot video that that because they had their cameras there in St. Paul as well. And they may have shown it on a home video. Maybe it was the Hall of Fame. I can't remember where I saw it. But the margin of victory was a lot more clear right from the side of the finish line there.
0: Yeah. And I think that they used that TV shot that they had on purpose to show how close the race was because that shot has been debated by bigfoot fans has been debated by gravedigger fans for a number of years as to who got to that cone first for those that don't know there's a cone actually before the last car i believe it's the the trunk of the second to last car that is your finish line not the car or not after the final car so the finish line is where dennis's tire lands bigfoot bounces off the cars first but on this particular track, the finish is that cone, and that's exactly where Digger's front tires landed. Whereas Bigfoot, you could hardly tell on this camera angle where Bigfoot's tires are because Hoosier's 20 feet in the air.
2: Yeah, we see the finish line kind of running across the track here on the chalk line, and then the cone is there. It's at the end of the fifth car, fifth car. and okay. we we've got the shot here. I've I have my shot paused where Dennis is right at the gap between the cars, and even in this. You can see, in my opinion, that Bigfoot is further behind. His tires are about over top of the gap in the car before that. So I've always viewed Digger as the clear winner of this. And then when we got to see that other angle, wherever it was... Um, it, it just confirmed it even further that the race was about as close as they indicate with the times. There was at least a tenth of a second between these guys.
0: Yeah, there was, uh, this is arguably actually not arguably, this is the biggest win in Dennis Anderson's career to this point
2: oh, for sure.
0: to, to make a comparison to this 1979. Again, I'm going to go with the NASCAR comparison. Your rookie of the year was Dale Earnhardt. And he had one victory in 79 at Bristol motor speedway. And nobody predicted him to go out there and win that race, but he wins that race and propels himself in that Rod Osterling car to go and win the championship the next season and become one of the most talked-about drivers in NASCAR history from that point on, when his career was uh, going on throughout the 80s, the 90s, all the way up until his unfortunate passing, Earnhardt was the man in NASCAR. This race right here, to me, solidified Dennis Anderson as a legitimate threat and started to build the legend that would become the black and green wrecking machine.
2: You know, I've always drawn a lot of comparisons between those two guys that you mentioned dennis anderson and dale earnhardt where you've got you know the southern boy that came from nothing and became the biggest thing in their industry
0: Mm -hmm. dale
2: earnhardt earned fans from his gritty driving style his ability to take no bs from anybody else and Dennis Anderson is not dissimilar in that fashion. A lot of people have drawn the line between those two guys. There's a lot of crossover in their fan bases, too, of course. Oh, yeah. And the the iconic look as well. You've got the black vehicle. It's intimidating. And Dennis always said, I'm a good guy in a bad truck. And to a degree, Dale Earnhardt was kind of similar, where he was a good guy off the track And, you know, got along with with most people well enough and was a great businessman, much like Dennis is as well, where when you put the helmet on, though, you ain't holding back for nothing and they're going to go out to beat you any possible way they can and and they're going to take the win.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what we got right here. Uh, One line that gets overlooked in this race here is uh, Dave Grimm, a line in his interview, he says, you put your foot through the accelerator to go like the devil. And I think that's a perfect description of Anderson's past right here, especially with the look of the truck that he has. You talk about Earnhardt having an intimidating driving style, an intimidating black car, Dennis did that with a paint scheme. We're going to skip ahead just real quick and take a little bit of a segue. As we're started to talk about the Gravedigger paint scheme, it made me think of this piece of uh, video that came from the 2002 Monster Jam season. And it's Dennis talking about the creation of the Gravedigger paint scheme. And I thought it fit very well with this conversation. We're going to go ahead and play it right here.
3: I saved up money from doing 11 shows and selling t-shirts. And I got a hold of this artist that paints on Harley-Davidson motorcycle tanks and stuff like that, free of And um, Fred, I wanted Fred to create a a paint job to go along with the name. And the first gravedigger paint job I got back then was $950 for this artwork. 950 bucks to me back then, you know, my whole truck, chassis, shocks and everything was, you know, $800. He says, I'm gonna put you some flames on it. And he says, I'm gonna put you some spooky flames. I said, all right, whatever. And so I just stayed away. I made a couple of comments to him, and Fred actually told me, he says, you know, you carry your butt out the door, and you don't come back until I call you. And I did, and when I come back, I was floored. It was, I mean, it was it was the greatest thing that happened to Gravedigger in the earlier days.
2: Dennis has credited Fred Buman on a lot of accounts for kind of helping to grow that Gravedigger name, because prior to this, when he just had the the Currituck grain you know, truck, the the blue and silver, it had a bad name and Dennis ran the truck hard, but the paint scheme didn't match. And Fred did an awesome job coming up with this concept that still lives on here. What, you know, thirty-five years later, we're still talking about this spooky paint job and how awesome it is. So it's definitely something that's iconic, that has stuck. It's part of our American culture. You walk up to anybody, pretty much in any city or neighborhood in America, and they know what Gravedigger is.
0: Yeah, and at this point, you could arguably say that if you walk up to anybody uh, in 1988 and you said what Bigfoot is, they would know as well. Nowadays, I think that's kind of reversed just a little bit. Uh, We talked about this race in outs, insides and outs, everything to do with it. It's been talked about to death. So we're going to go ahead and move on right here before our monster truck final round. Uh, We're going to see some updates on the updated dates on the TNT tour right here. Uh, The start of the Monster Truck Summer Series, of course, is going to start in Roanoke and then in Nashville or or Nashville in April, followed by pools in Tupelo and Memphis. Then we're going to go to our ATV finals, which is an oval course around the jumps around the perimeter right here of the Monster Truck tracks. By this point, Quad Racing had accompanied and uh, saluted three wheelers as the main ATV choice due to the danger associated with, or excuse me, four wheelers maintained as your uh, number one atv choice instead of three-wheelers my bad read that wrong uh manufacturers signed on consent to a decree that in the united states government to end the sale of three-wheelers in 1988
2: yeah the safety people were really getting on the the case of these manufacturers the three-wheeled atvs were built primarily to be a farm implement and kind of help farmers get around their property. And they of course turned into what they turned into in the eighties, which was a recreational style vehicle. And a lot of people started getting hurt. And then the four wheeled versions came out. They were comparatively a lot safer at that time. And this is where we really saw the transition from three wheeler to four wheeler being the primary class here in 1987, 1988, the, they they didn't – there was kind of a ban, but in accordance with the manufacturers saying, okay, we're going to agree not to make these vehicles. And I believe it was a 30-year agreement, which legally companies can make a three-wheeled ATV again. It's just nobody chooses to. But I find it interesting just that how many of these indoor TNT races featured quad racing this early on. They did it at a lot of different shows.
0: Yeah, in St. Paul, not uh, not one of those shows that was without quad racing. They had to have some kind of filler, because honestly, if you look at the track right here, this is this is one hundred percent monster truck racing that's selling this crowd right here, which is usually accompanied with pulling. So they had to have some sort of side act for the monster trucks as well. So this could be one of the first instances that we saw ATV racing going alongside monster trucks.
2: Yeah, we saw it a lot, you know, in those late 87 shows that were televised as well. They did in Charlotte and the monster truck centric shows that didn't have pulling at them. Like you said, they had to have a side act. And I mean, we love Gogo the gorilla here on the retro monster truck review, but he can only do so much as a one man show. So you got to have something else in there to help fill the time.
0: That's very true. And and now our time has come, though. We are down to the final round here in St. Paul of 88. We've got Gravedigger, the upstart, taking on King Kong, another Kong brother, by the way. Dennis has not had an easy road in this bracket at all, by the way. He qualified number one. He had awesome Kong in round two. Then he has Bigfoot in the semifinals, and now he's arguably got the better of the two Kong trucks here in the final round against him. Uh, King Kong though also didn't really have any slouches in his passes as well. I mean, you go back and you look at first round with King Kong, we've got uh, Barely Tame, which broke in the first round, but still was a very competitive race. You go into the next round, he's got Master of Disaster, Doug Spanier, hometown guy, not going to cut him any slouch. Then you cut down to your semifinal, excuse me, your final round, and you've got Dennis Anderson's Gravedigger with him. I mean, neither truck have had easy matchups all night long is my point i'm trying to make
2: yeah both had to earn their way here for sure and we go to the finals we see the trucks lining up and we've got the those uh those horns that that pop in every now and then on the on the power tracks episodes playing as well that Mm -hmm. they kind of set the stage for the final i mean are you going to tell me that you prefer that to the monster smash final Sounds. I don't
0: know. I prefer that way more than the monster smash final sounds. Oh, I'm not, out not a we're, fan of it. We're at all. We're looking
2: for a new main host of the retro oh, truck. Yeah. view now. I see how it
0: is. <laughs> I see how it is. One thing to point out here too, before these guys get to racing here, Digger, obviously the truck that is going to have lane choice. Dennis is going to that left lane, which has produced the majority of our winners tonight. It's flatter. It's probably easier for the grandma Digger truck to drive over as well. And your right lane though, is King Kong where uh, Steve Dane has not been in that lane at all tonight.
2: Yeah, and we're talking this left lane seems to be a bit smoother, even though it's after the finish line. That hole on the left side of the, the right lane has to be in everybody's mind that's in that lane that they got to negotiate that as soon as they get across the finish line. So I think Dennis has kind of been trying to avoid a hole that's been forming in the left lane as well. We saw it in one of the races. I, I can't remember which I'd have to go back and look, but somebody caught a hole in that left lane as well. and It was on the right side of the car. So the inside of both lanes developing issues here. And we've seen Dennis in these last two runs kind of jump to the left. On that last set of cars, and, and he takes a similar strategy here in the finals.
0: Yep, both trucks are going to leave hard, but then again, Digger gets the jump over the hill and carries the lead into the first set of cars. Kong, however, bounced into the cars similar to how Digger had done in previous rounds uh, and draws even with Dennis in no man's land. The steering issue, though, combined with another big pound bounce, sends Kong into another tail slap, much like it did in the previous round. And this time, though, it it just cuts the momentum of the truck completely off. It doesn't propel him forward like it did in the previous round. They are even to the last jump. And then when Kong hits that jump, it's just like he hit a brick wall compared to Dennis, who is just going forward over those cars. Anderson sails across the line to take his first big major television win. And honestly, in an event where you go out and you beat Bigfoot in the semifinal round, if you don't go and win the finals, people might still go back and look at it and go, yeah, but, but Dennis puts the yeah butters right in their place by going and taking this final round win here on national television against the Kong brothers and Bigfoot.
1: It'll be King Kong going against the Gravedigger. This is going to be a battle to the city. <laughs> here they go, King Kong's grave. Going against the They start. Here they come, Oh my word. All right. All right, Rich. What do you think, Rich? Good race. Yeah, but well, real good. Everybody trying a lot harder to get to the best time. I think uh saying I wouldn't say I had the best but I read that there. I tell you, he's he's a real crowd favorite, no question about it. We're gonna get the times here in just a moment. Uh, All right, before we call it, Grand Digger coming out. Grey Digger wins it! Red Digger wins it! King Kong, number three, comes in number two. And I tell you, Bob Chandler and uh, Rich Hoosier, what would you like to say to the winner of Grey Digger? Congratulations, you ran a good race. All right, Bob, that was a hell of a run. Uh, no question about it, coming from the guys with Bigfoot, that's a real compliment, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give him another round of applause all the way from Chesapeake, Virginia. Your winner, Dennis Anderson and Grey
2: and he beat the folks that he had to beat it's not like he had an easy road and and got lucky on one run dennis was continuously the fastest driver on the course all night long from qualifying to the finish and we saw that the difference here at the line as you said Kong loses all the momentum on the second set of cars. He lands short of the finish line. Dennis clears the finish line. You see that forward momentum just completely working in Dennis's favor here. And there's a lot going on here that we don't really hear any warning about. All of a sudden, Rich Hooser is on the mic with Dave Grimm um, down on the floor, I guess, track side talking to Dave and he says that it was a good race and you know, to say congratulations he, he got it done and dennis parks up on the cars and we see that iconic fist pump as he stands out of the big gravedigger truck
0: yeah the old jc whitney fire suit that he's wearing right there he's got the fist pump in the air uh we also hear bob chandler say that was a hell of a run about dennis anderson's run right there and i love i love that they pipe that in there right there you basically got a guy that created an industry saying you know what kudos to you son that was a good run I love that quote from Bob Chandler right there we get as Dennis is climbing out of the vehicle. And, uh, of course, we get that awesome quote.
1: Dennis Anderson, congratulations. Got to be, is it the biggest moment of your monster truck career?
3: Yeah, it is. I finally beat Bigfoot, the Kong brothers, the whole nine yards.
2: That's it. And on top of that, we see the legendary foul play hat. Worn by Dennis Anderson here mm-hmm. At the conclusion of this event I'm still looking for one of course Chris Mormanis Has one he's probably got a case of them somewhere He's hiding but uh, I'm still looking For one of those because it's just such a legendary Moment in the history of the sport We see Dennis here in his interview He gives the quote he Thanks the fans for being here even this Early in his career mm-hmm. Dennis Thanking the fans maybe not For every nut and bolt in the truck and every shingle On his roof at this point but he's happy that the Fans are there and Dave. have kind of closes out the live show aspect on the floor, saying Dennis Anderson's your winner.
0: Yeah, and uh, one thing to point out here, King Kong was close, but the gravedigger put him away, according to our announcer. Show is going to end with Dennis, uh, fame another famous quote from him. He hits that big grin on his face, thumbs up. All right, I did it. As we close the show <laughs> yes. out right here. Love it. This truly was, this whole show was the story of gravedigger. Honestly, from start to finish, this was Mm -hmm. Dennis's story on this entire broadcast. Dennis
2: owned this show, and this is where he becomes a star on a national stage. You know, he's making fans at all these events, driving like a madman, putting the truck on the limit. But that's in front of 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 people. We've got presumably hundreds of thousands of people watching this TV broadcast that they all know now who the Grave Digger is, and that Grave Digger's here to take care of business.
0: Yeah, in terms of production value, though, here in 1988, yeah, we've got a few misspelled names that could have easily been avoided. Uh, we've got people that always poke fun at Dave Grimm's announcing in these early events, especially this one, Always the Grave Digger line uh, gets quoted quite a bit by people. So, the Grave Digger, Grave Digger, Grave Digger. You know, he's overemphasizing a lot in some of his announcing here. But I want to point out here, too, uh, just to defend Dave a little bit, those people that are poking fun of that announcing that I've heard throughout the years also remember everything that he said. Yes, they do. So there you go. That's something that you need to remember whenever you're kind of poking fun at announcers. I've seen this recently as well from people. It's just something I wanted to touch on at the end of this show. Yeah, Dave Graham is over the top sometimes, but you remember every word he said.
2: Well, you got to keep in mind that this is also the live event, mic that we're yes. getting as our sound feed too, and a live Mike on the event host is much different than the crowd you're talking to at home on a television if you've heard joe Lowe, if you were lucky enough to hear him and and may god rest his soul he was awesome on tv he kind of got it up to a six or seven on the joe Lowe scale but when joe Lowe introduced gravedigger to a live crowd oh he went to to 11 out of 10 you know, And that long grave digger scream that he would give, you knew that the black and green record machine was in town, and there was no doubt about it. So you have to look at it as Dave's primarily talking to the live audience, yes. and then they're kind of pumping that into the TV broadcast as well, which I always found it interesting, and, and I've mentioned it here before as we've talked about these older power tracks shows, how they had the mix of the live event announcer – and then dubbed over with a mysterious narrator that we never get his name, I don't think, that is somehow even like less exciting to listen to. Yeah, um, exactly. because Dave's you know really getting the crowd worked up and the announcer just kinda is being very factual and to the point and and kind of filling in the gaps. So it's an interesting production. It's again very early in this monster truck world on television in terms of competition and i think it's it the the live event oh phenomenal i can't count how many times i wrote down in my notes that this truck wins by a car width there had to have been at least four elimination races that were decided by less than a tire length or a car width so very very good racing in my opinion throughout the entire bracket here
0: yeah the the live event feel actually turned into a big fight feel a lot towards the end of this bracket as we see we see dennis is climbing his way through this bracket he's beating bigfoot he goes out and he beats kong in the final round that's when you start to get hyped up all right i mean if you're watching these these events you almost kind of always feel like you're wanting to see a little bit of an underdog story at this time dennis is probably one of the bigger underdogs in this field him and gary porter probably the two guys that are just on that cusp of breaking out and becoming real stars in this industry and this just happens to be dennis's time and dennis's night to do so here in saint paul and Again, say what you will about Dave Grimm, his voice is forever tied to the first major victory in Dennis Anderson's racing career, Mm. and his voice is what you're going to hear on a lot of these old highlight packages covering Gravedigger and covering this event. Now,
2: we've got to tackle something else about this show, and and – Adam, Ryan, if you're listening, I'm going to let you present this to your dad because it's something that's bugged me since I was seven years old. Oh, this This, should be interesting. This event was not in 1986, as Dennis so (laughs) often says. He, He says it was 1986. No, this is January 8th, 1988. Bigfoot has an 88 body already. Um, the air date of the event that we're watching is actually February 29th, 1988. So a quick turnaround for the production, only about six weeks, which mm-hmm. at that time was was very quick. So this show is from 1988. Unfortunately, Dennis's timeline in his head's a little bit off by a couple years here. He really started this big campaign of of having beaten Bigfoot and becoming a real superstar It was even faster than a lot of people give him credit for, you know, it's, it's all happening pretty much during this 1988 season where Dennis goes from upstart to superstar. And that I think makes it even more incredible in my eyes of what Dennis was able to do during this year, because the TV was his outlet. I mean, he went out there and he kicked butt whenever he could. And I'm sure it feels like three years for him, but really it was only a matter of eight months.
0: Yeah, exactly. This show, honestly, is the definition of starting out as an upstart and then working your way as to being one of the top guys in the sport, as far as I'm concerned, for Dennis Anderson. But let's not take anything away from the competitors in this event. Gary Porter shines in this. He he takes his truck to the semifinals in typical Porter fashion as well, not pushing the equipment as hard as he possibly can, but still getting to advance some rounds here uh also don't take anything away from the kong trucks they were performing well with the exception of the stutter from awesome kong off the line that was their only issue on the night really and then rich hoosier obviously take nothing away from that guy for pushing that truck as hard as he did pushing bigfoot four and that hard landing that we talked about racing dennis's digger rich gave it everything he had they threw everything they could at Gravedigger that night but it just wasn't enough
2: no it wasn't and in terms of rating this overall package you know the the story and everything that goes behind it obviously you know it's off the charts in terms of the importance in monster truck history the tv production as we've stated leaves a little bit to be desired here yeah. and if this was a tough tracks event You know, had this been covered in that format? Oh, it may be the highest score ever yet on the Retro Monster Truck Review. But overall, in terms of what we have here to work with, I'm going to give this event a 6.9 out of 10.
0: See, I went a little higher. I went to a 7.5 on this one. I almost wanted to give it an 8. But the misspellings of the names and stuff made me drop it down another half a point. Uh, Just production value drops this point down just a little bit. However, the racing product that we see... Fabulous. They put so much into that. The stories oh, so that good. they told, they told the stories incredibly well for all of these trucks, not just Gravedigger, but all of these trucks. The story was there for every single one of them.
2: It was. And they do a great job with that, especially as we were talking about the live event. That's something you don't normally get from a live event announcer. So Grim uh, definitely earned his paycheck on this night, telling the stories well to the live crowd and to us at home by proxy. And you know, it's just unfortunate that the rudimentary means that they had to make this show at the time is how it ended up being. My score is so much higher if this is in pretty much any other format.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. My score would have been off the charts as well. Maybe in a 10 out of 10, if they could have just had a little bit more production value, kind of like they did in the later year of 88, early 1989 production value. If they could have had that for this event off the charts, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this was the night, though, that Dennis kind of put an end to that can he do it thing that seemed to follow him around for a little while when he was getting started in the early days of monster truck racing. The man did it on this night, and St. Paul 1988 is forever remembered in the history of monster truck racing as the biggest win for the Gravedigger Machine. At that point in his career, I'm, I'm arguing that Dennis has probably had some bigger wins since then. I mean, the World Finals 5 is probably one that's way up there on his list as well. Winning the championship in 1999 after the St. Louis show that we just talked about here on the Retro Monster Truck Review. That's probably still high up on there as well. Imagine beating Jimmy Creighton at the World Finals is pretty high up there, too, as well as beating Tom Mintz in the final round at a World Finals, too. It's probably way up there on Dennis's list. But all, all those highlights, one of the ones that he still talks about and you still see a grin on his face every time he mentions it is beating Bigfoot in St. Paul of 1988. And, folks, next week, I still don't know how, Matt, we're going to be able to tie a Gravedigger into Monster Trucks 2000.
2: Well, we're going to have to maybe take a little bit of a break from our Gravedigger Month here because Felsmere, Florida, the new Thrillinium, well, Digger beat Bigfoot on this night in St. Paul. How's Bigfoot going to handle the sabotage there down in South Florida?
0: Hey, you never know. I mean, Dan Rente was all over that. I mean, they they handled the sabotage so well, it changed bodies. Well, we'll go into more of that next week. Yeah, exactly. We'll see you all again on Tracks Across America. Stay tuned for more Gravedigger Month. I know we normally end on some funny quip or something like that, but hey, I found two more pieces of audio that i would like to play here for you guys the first is dennis anderson in 2002 it's another gravedigger minute clip actually both of these are gravedigger minutes that aired on the 2002 season of monster jam the first is dennis talking about this event and the second is his mother talking about this event and i felt that they were very cool pieces of footage to include in the very end of this particular episode hope you all enjoy it and again we'll see you on the tracks across america
3: that was a big stoke in my life right there, and it was. Uh, it wasn't just Bigfoot because back then the Kong boys, they were strong, you know. So I wanted to beat the Kong brothers, who, you know, the awesome Kong and King Kong and Bigfoot. They were the they were the main guys that I was always out for. It didn't make any difference what the public thought or what the public saw. They were the guys that I was gunning for. You know, I wanted them, and um, and and especially when I beat them on national TV, it was. I was just floored. You know, I'm out there in my cheap you know, $65 fire suit and whatever, you know, with all this junk welded together and had this semi-fancy paint job, which was a, that was my golden piece, you know, I was, um, that, that truck, it was like, I didn't even have a, I didn't have a life or a wife, and I actually did, but it, it was all that truck, you know, and I just, it was just, it was unreal. When I won that deal and it was on TV, now when I look back and see it, I'm really, I look like a geek and a dork out there doing it, but Hey, here I am now. Maybe I'm still a dork and a geek, who knows? The first time that um, I saw him on national TV, we were just, we were so proud. And I think that was the, the night that he beat Bigfoot. I think that's the first time Bigfoot had ever been beaten. And it, it, just, it was just overwhelming. We just couldn't imagine Dennis being there, And when I found out that the monster truck race was going to be on television, of course I called everyone that I ever knew to, to tell them to be sure to watch. And I think it's just great. I never in my wildest dream ever thought that Dennis would have so many fans. Now I just had no idea that this monster truck thing would go so far, never. It just. We're so proud of him that, that he's done so well with it.